Hi, this is Tamika Kasten-Miller, and you are listening to Think, Flow, Grow. At the end of this and every episode, you will find a meditation, so stay tuned. Mika Kasten Miller, and I am here with uh, Mark. Oh my God, Pearson. <laughs> Let me try that again. This is Tamika Kasten Miller with Ashe Yoga, and I am here with Mark Pearson II. That's right. And Mark is the co host too. Mark, introduce yourself. No Country for Old Mark and Juan podcast. It's a comedy podcast about finding the silver linings in life. The whole premise of it is. Well, my best friend Juan, he's a comedian. I kind of think of myself as an amateur comedian with no experience. I just like to make jokes. And Juan, a, uh, him, Juan and I have both had some pretty interesting, crazy experiences in our lives. We both have lost a lot of stuff and been through some really rough times. And so we wanted to make a podcast that would give people some encouragement, like help you find the silver linings in life and help you laugh along the way because we think laughter is very therapeutic. Awesome. And Mark and I are friends in real life. We didn't just like, I'm uh, (laughs) not a podcast uh, expert. So anything that's going on in my life is super authentic and real. (laughs) So (laughs) we have um, definitely been around to see some of the successes and failures of things in our lives. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that is I'm super interested in is how we have both kind of identified ways that we have been programmed to think in certain ways and the lies that we tell ourselves. So Mark and I met through a yoga class or a yoga, our yoga community. And, um, I really love the fact that he was a guy in yoga because for some reason guys don't do yoga. What's up with that? As a guy, I don't first time I, okay. I was dating someone several years ago, three years ago. That was like three years ago. And she was like, you should come do yoga with me. And I was always like, nah, not really my thing. I'd never done yoga before. And it was just like something that literally had no interest to me. I was just like, I don't want to go stand around in like really tight pants and stretch. Like, that's all I thought it was. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm not into that. And then I found out what hot yoga was. And I was like, no, I don't need, I'm, I get hot enough as it is working outside. So anyways, it was like her birthday. And she's like, you should come with me to yoga. And I was like, fine, I'll do it with you for your birthday. And I really enjoyed it. Like, I was really, I had, like, a really bad headache that day, and I was really tense. Like, I tell Wait, people... The I have, headache before or after before. yoga? Oh. And I, I tell people I have the posture and the, you know, of, like, a two-by-four. I'm just really stiff. And so, <laughs> she's like, you should come, and I'll help you feel better. And I was like, oh, fine. So I went, and I felt really good afterwards. I was like, wow, this really helped. And mm-hmm. it was a really good experience. So then I came home from the trip I was on, and I started going to yoga once or twice a week and that's how I met Tamika Tamika was one of the few people that was actually like hi because everyone else just ignored me which I'm pretty much used to and like I I kind of just like roll like that I like sometimes I like being invisible because you can watch everybody else and you can get a good read on other people I'm a very observational person but is that a lie you're telling yourself no it's not a lie (laughs) (laughs) I know whenever I'm around my family it's hilarious because normally I'm I'm a very kind of loquacious person but whenever I'm around my family, I go back to that nine-year-old who just yeah. sits back and watches everything. Like, I, I never talk. Well, when I'm with my family, I just don't want to be a part of the drama. So I'm like, I'm going to go sit in the corner. 
<laughs> I don't want to be a part of the loudness and that my family is very loud. Like literally when I leave my family's house uh, or houses, I have a headache every time. So, uh, yeah, but, um, I think that somehow there's been this thing like guys do this and women do this and it's all BS and the hilarious, it, it, this is astounding to me because most of the early yogis were men, mostly because they were the ones allowed to go out and go sit around and meditate for hours. And now if you open up Instagram or well, yoga gram, especially, um, I have a love hate relationship with yoga gram because it's full of lies. It's like it, it, and people are not being honest about how they post as well. Yeah. So this kind of helps people develop lies that they tell themselves because people are in comparison with what they see. And if you don't see men or you don't see black people or you don't see LGBT people or people in, um, different situations, heavy people, full figure people, you're not going to believe that this yeah. is for you. And so this community that is supposed to be reaching out into people's lives and hearts and um, building compassionate people, it's not happening because it's exclusive all at the same time. Yeah. This is me. This is crazy. Yeah. So that said, um, I found that social media is really part of the the problem and perpetuating yeah. um, what, what we think about ourselves. It's social media. I, I hate social media. I'm just going to be straight. <laughs> I hate it. I have an Instagram. I have a Twitter account. I have a Facebook. And the only reason I have them right now is because I need to get the word out about my podcast and I want to interact with my listeners. Mm-hmm. But before I started doing the podcast, I would suspended all my accounts. I just didn't use them because I, I noticed I was so much happier when I wasn't on social media. And some people thought, like, they told me, how come I don't see you online anymore? And I was like, I have so much more peace and I am so much happier when I'm not on social media. People are like, oh, that's ridiculous. I'm like, no, really, I'm stopping to think about it. I was, like, I was like, I spent so much time scrolling through other people's posts, comparing myself to them, that I got super unhappy. Mm-hmm. Because they were doing things that I looked more exciting or more fun. Or they were with people that, you know, like, oh, that would be a really fun person to be around. And I can't, or they got mm-hmm. to meet somebody that I wanted to meet. And the research actually supports this. Research shows that depression has increased based on, due to the onset of social media, because of that very reason. It's meant to set you up for comparison. It's meant to set you up for, we know there's that edict that comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what social media is doing unless you're really working it in a kind of a one directional way, which is. It's really hard to do. It's hard to do, and I've started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I've muted so many people because I know their lives, and I know that they're not fully showing what their lives are. But I also don't think that you have to put your whole life on social no, media. Don't. I mean, it's a it's a big audience. I don't want everyone in my business. I yeah. don't want every you know. But at the same time, there's also that kind of you know lie that everything is great. I go back to the yoga gram because this is so evident where people are in these ridiculously challenging postures. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is the way that they get them is that you take a video. So audience, you may not know this, but this is the way that people get these, these perfect situations and it, and it may not even be yoga. It could be anything else, but you take a video of you doing a whole bunch of things 
And then you just pause the video when you have the absolute perfect shot and mm -hmm. take a picture of it. And that's the picture you post on social media. Now you could have fallen 45,000 times. You could, maybe you're even using a prop that you've kind of, you know, put to the side or something like that that's helping you up. But that is how people are getting these shots. And then people just think, oh, I don't have the, the strength. I don't have, you know, and then there are all these stories that come up. One of the things I talked about in a previous um, a video uh, on my Instagram, which by the way is diva underscore transcending, is how we already have the craziness in our heads from when we were kids or when we, you know, all the programming that we had from that we're actively trying to unlearn. Right. Yeah. And then we have all of these things that are like being thrown at us, uh, in terms of advertising to us, telling us how we're deficient, how we don't, how we don't have, um, uh, anything literally yeah. like, you're hungry, so you need Burger King. <laughs> no, I don't. Burger King is terrible. That sounds awful. <laughs> but you know what? If you're watching TV and you're easily suggestible that day, they will put something on that makes even you want to go to Burger King. You may be like, I hate Burger King, but those fries really look delicious. It's in and out. I'm there. <laughs> They've been in it, building there, the in and I, out in Katy. The day it opens, I'm going there. There are no in and outs in Texas. Well, in Houston anyway. And can we just get out of this in and out crap? Like... Waterburger for life. You live here now. I'm from California. Uh, <laughs> I can't with you Californians. Y'all don't even know what real barbecue tastes like. Yeah, yeah I do. No, it's no. in Tennessee. No. Don't. <laughs> no, sir. Oh, that's my favorite barbecue in Nashville. No, no, in Leapers Fork, Tennessee. Oh, my goodness. First of all, no. The best. The best. That is a lie you're telling yourself. The best barbecue is in Texas, and honey, you are living in the city for it. <laughs> FYI, we are coming to you from Houston, Texas, if I haven't mentioned it before, if you've forgotten. And let me just tell you, their best barbecue in the world is the little guy on the side of the street with a smoker attached to his oh, yeah. truck oh, yeah. that's producing the best brisket and the best all of, the, all of that you had. This is why it's very difficult to be a vegan in this city as well. Yeah, it would be impossible for me. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Speaking of things that we tell ourselves um, and what's impossible, whatever, you know one thing that I've mentioned to people... I'm an African-American woman. As we know, veganism isn't, you know, one of the most popular things for amongst African-Americans. Although in the continent, mm -hmm. you know, you do have um, people who eat a more diverse uh, palate or have a more diverse palate. But one of the things that people say all the time when I talk about veganism or going vegan or practicing, you know, maybe a five days on, two days off or whatever, they're like, oh, we could never give up cheese. Like I could never give up cheese. And I'm thinking if someone put a gun to your head or gave you a diagnosis and the only thing you had to do was give up cheese, you couldn't give up cheese. I've given up cheese before. I've done vegan before for a few different reasons. One, because the doctors wanted me to, to make sure I, like, what my body wasn't, I had ulcerative colitis, but before they discovered that, they wanted to find out what was going on. So they had me go vegan for like a month, which was no big deal for me. Mm. It was fine. And then when I was in Africa, I couldn't 
help but being vegan because that's all the food there was because I'm in the middle of nowhere. Mm, and so, and you were living in Ethiopia. And so there are African vegans. Yeah. So FYI, people, part of eating all the meat we eat <laughs> is because we have been colonized to think that that is normal. Yeah. That is part of the colonial hangover. Hello. Yeah. And <laughs> some of that was just because of the cost of it. Like the poorer people there just can't afford to buy meat. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, a lot of them are vegan because that's all they can afford. And it's actually pretty beneficial for them. <laughs> Can I just say it angers me a little bit that you spent more time in Africa than I have and I'm African American, <laughs> but at least I can say that I have been. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so even though I haven't been to West Africa yet, <laughs> but at least I can say that I have been. I think it's really interesting how people frame things from the perspective of a colonized point of view mm-hmm. and forget that there was history before yeah. All of that. Forget that there was history before all of that. And I think that part of at least the problems within the African-American community and possibly even the Latino community, although I won't black-splain Latin, the Latin community, we're not actually thinking about what our community was before we were colonized so what we think so we start our history at slavery Mm -hmm. and now everything is framed from the perspective of a victim so then when you look at trying to make um positive changes for your life it was like oh well this is you know my life is difficult because i live in a food desert or i um have less opportunities when it comes to getting a job or blah 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 and the reality is that if we go back to you know, pre-slavery, and we go back to that ancestral heritage of kings and queens, like, you know what, I'm going to live better and do life better because I'm going back to my origins, which is being a chief or being, you know, guided by something that was bigger than me, coexisting beautifully with the planet because I understand that I'm a steward of this planet rather than I am the owner of it. Mm -hmm. So part of that, I think, at least within the African-American community is colonial hangover. It's interesting that you say that because being in when I've been to Africa twice. First time I went went to Ghana, and you know just asking people, asking the Ghanaians, you know, like what do you think of you know African Americans? What do you think of their culture? What do you think of their, you know, their music, their movies? And they're like, we don't like it. They're like, we don't feel it represents us. They're like, that's their thing. And they're like, that's, they're like, it's just not really of any interest to us. Mm. There's a few of them that would like joke about it. But there was even um, one family that immigrated to America. And they were just like, no, they were like, we don't, they they just didn't understand. Mm. Because they were like, they felt like it was a completely different culture. And so they said they would interact with local, like, African-Americans, and they'd be like, oh, no, you understand? Like, no, we don't understand. They're like, we're from Africa. Mm-hmm. We, and they were like, we literally grew up with literally nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, we slept on dirt floors. We lived in a house made of sticks. And it's interesting that you say that because it is, it is different, and it's really good to, like, go back. Like, I've traced my roots back to... My mom went and traced our roots back for like, I don't know, several hundred years. So it's more than just the American ancestors. And where are they from? Most of them are from uh, England and then Germany and then even like pre like the Roman times. Mm. So it goes like way back. So England, Germany, so they're all barbarians. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
but because they were doing what they wanted to do and not doing what the Holy Roman Empire wanted. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on what part of Germany and when Germany, because at some point they were anyway. But <laughs> the historian in me really wants to analyze like what were our what were our people doing at the same time. And I'm part Cherokee Indian too. Oh well, that is so that's even like more movie. interesting. And that's something I wish I knew more about. Uh, well, the funny thing is, is uh, I know for sure that there's some sort of native heritage in me because my family is from Louisiana, but I don't know what it is. And there's this big thing right now amongst African Americans in which there's, you know, people are like, look, everyone wants to claim Native American ancestry, but the reality is we don't really have that much, blah, blah, blah. And in Louisiana, you really do, because yeah. that is the her heritage of Louisiana. Um, but going back to what you were saying about Ghana, uh, it's really interesting that you make the mention of there being kind of this framework around this is what Ghanaian looks like, and this is what African American looks like, and they are not the same. Mm -hmm. And and I think the same is true of West African culture in which they have framed their identities around what isn't Western. Mm -hmm. And um, is that better? I mean, it's still reactionary. You I know? think it's for them too there in Ghana, at least, and even in Ethiopia, everything there goes back to your like tribe, the tribe you were mm -hmm. born into, because everything there is still quite tribal. And there's still like fights between local tribes and stuff. But they have this strong sense of community within their tribe, mm -hmm. which is really cool. And then as like Ghana more so, the, the Ghanaians, when I was there, the Ghanaians really work together more than the Ethiopians do. Ethiopians don't really get along. <laughs> so FYI, let me, let me pause here to let the entire audience know that Mark's family has lived in Ethiopia. Oh, my dad, my dad's going back for in a month or two. Yeah. Like he actually is very deeply connected into the Ethiopian community and to African culture in general. And um and <laughs> I have two so Ethiopian he, he sisters. Two Ethiopian sisters, and he so he is not. I'm gonna go ahead and say he is not white splaining here. No. <laughs> so don't get triggered. He is speaking from actually living there, and I dare anyone to accuse you of white splaining because again, how many African Americans have actually lived on the continent? Yeah. I'm going with very few. Very few. Um, <laughs> Not because we're African-Americans, but because we're North Americans and yeah. we have difficulty leaving the United States in general. Well, it's It was difficult for me to go the first time. And after I went to Ghana the first time, I was just like, wow, I was like, I need to go back and I need to go to different, you know, different part of Africa, mm. you know, meet different people, different. Africa is so big. You can't just go to one section and be like, oh, I've been to Africa. No. I've been to two places in Africa and I haven't been to enough. No, because I've been to Morocco and I don't feel that I have been to my motherland. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I'm I, a historian. I'm a Spanish speaker. I'm an Iberophile. So for me, I feel like I've been to some somewhere quite significant historically. But um, And maybe because Louisiana was a Spanish colony at, some, at, at one point, maybe there's some, you know, North African influence influence in my line but i haven't done my dna so i don't know um check back in a in another podcast later when i'm identifying my dna through africandna.com 
Um, by the way, that is not a plug for them uh, because I don't know if they're. I, I, a, I don't know if I'll ever do it. They're expensive. AfricanAncestry.com. If you're listening to this, hook a sister up for free, and I will promote you. So. Back to what are some other things? What do you think? Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question because Mm -hmm. you love me and you'll allow me. What do you think are things that white men are telling themselves right now as we are? Now, I also want to frame this as I hate it when people say this to me, like, what do black people think about this? (laughs) But I'm going to do it as a white man. What do... What do you think that white men are thinking about right now in a Me Too movement environment, in a in a Trump environment, in an environment that is so fragmented? Um, what are white men thinking? Represent your entire gender and culture, please. That's way too broad because I know <laughs> I, I know people on both sides of that. So oh, both sides of white men. Both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Like, no, but I mean, do you feel, do you personally, do you feel like you're in the middle of a debate that you didn't want? I don't debate, first of all. <laughs> yeah, this that's, is that's, true. You know that about me. And it's not because I don't want to communicate with people or converse with people or interact with people. It's just there's certain things that are so polarized. If I know I'm one way, I'm not going to debate with somebody because really all that does is drive a wedge between me and that other person. And I have lost so many people in my life to death or to like loss of a relationship. I've, I've learned to put prioritize people in relationships in such a way to where like do as much as you can to bring harmony into the friendship or the relationship mm. rather than to drive wedges in between. Some things you and somebody else are never going to – some things you and whoever you're never going to agree on. And my whole thing is like, okay, for example, I know a guy – this was 2015, so it was four years ago. I had just started dating this this one young lady. She was Mexican, really cool, really awesome. And the, I had this job with this. This guy got uh, hired on to this job to work with me. And this was an older guy from South Carolina, I think. And so we were working. And this guy liked to talk more than he liked to work. So I was just working and he was talking to me. So we get to this one spot where he's talking about like his how his... like daughter is dating a black man and he was all mad about it and i was like dude like does he like hit her does he treat her terrible Mm -hmm. no then what's the problem so then he like goes on a rant and he's like you know different races shouldn't be intermarrying they shouldn't do this and that and and finally i was just like you want to know something he's like what i was like the woman i'm dating that i've been telling you about for like the last few days she's mexican and it was just crickets (laughs) and he didn't say anything and he didn't bring it up again. And I was just like, you're talking to the wrong guy, dude. <laughs> you're talking to the wrong guy. People in my family have married people from Indonesia, Ethiopia. I have two Ethiopian sisters. I was like, you just stop. There was somebody else I dated like a few years ago. We went on a few dates. It said one of the most stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. She said... She had brought up something about like how black people were ruining the economy. And I was like, stop. I was like this. I was just like, you're not going to talk to me about this. Hmm. I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. She goes, well, they are. I was like, you can't talk to me about 
you can't be racist to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to listen to it. She goes, well, what? I was like, you know I have two Ethiopian sisters. She goes, oh, but they're okay because they're from Africa. I was like, Brr! I was like, that's oh, it. Oh, my gosh. Nope. <laughs> I have had that type of comment made to me, but the Amer- the North, the United Statesian version of that, um, <laughs> which is... Well, there's a difference between an N-word and you. You're one of the good black people. No. I'm like, what? What? I, I, I've, I have been astounded at this comment. <laughs> FYI, this is a reason, and no shade to Dallas, but this is why I never, ever <laughs> want to live in Dallas again. Funny, this person was from Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go! There you go. Like there is this. It's I can't even. And P, and the crazy thing is they don't even know. They don't even realize that this is is yeah. is a ridiculous way of of thinking. Yeah. So similar story. I don't even know if we're ever gonna get back on topic or if we'll go around. This is this is like free going, flow, free free flowing. You've heard with my podcast. This Mark is how I roll, and not Juan. <laughs> But just Mark, um, I had this guy that I worked with. I really hope he hears this too, because I want him to know that this is now public information. <laughs> so I had this guy who I worked with, work colleague, and he came into my classroom. So this is, you know, I'm an educator at this point. He comes into my classroom and he sits down bothered. And he says, um, my daughter was attending the same school at that time. And he knew my daughter. And he said, you know. What would you think if your daughter told you she was a lesbian? Like, what would you say? And at the time, I was dating my first girlfriend. (laughs) But not everyone knew because that was my business Mm -hmm. um, at the time. But I was just thinking to myself, how, how, first of all, how is this appropriate? But anyway, there were so many questions. And so he, and so I told him, I said, I think I would tell her, thank God you're not going to get pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly, at that time, the only thing I was really concerned with with my child in high school was her not getting knocked up. So that was a pretty honest response. But at the same time, I'm thinking, how do you know who I am or what my life is? What what are the presumptions under which you're operating to to think that you can speak to me in that way and ask me that type of question? Yeah. So, but I always, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, like 9% of the population is LGBT. I'm in the B category. And at the time I had a girlfriend and I hadn't talked about dating a woman or a man at that point. So what's up with the presumptions about who I would date? And um, why would you say things? Now, mind you, this guy has also um, said lots of other stupid things in the, uh, in, as well. So do you want to hear the funny end of the story, yeah. though? Because there's actually an end to the story. <laughs> and it is not my response for him. The end to the story is I am giving a training with my friend <laughs> and colleague who is also an LGBT person. And we are giving a training to the entire school about tolerance and language that is acceptable when addressing LGBT issues. At the time, there had been a lot of students who had come out as trans. Mm -hmm. And so, and there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of faculty who were participating in the destruction of their little trans hearts Mm -hmm. by the things that they were saying. And so we had to give this whole 
uh, we had to give this whole talk to faculty so that they would stop because the our district actually came out and said, look, if you don't want to teach or support LGBT kids, then you need to find another district. So go Houston, right? Mm-hmm. So we're giving this talk on this and we're talking about how, look, if 9% of the population is LGBT, then that means that 9% of faculty are also LGBT. <laughs> now you may not know it, but they are. So out of 300 faculty, then like, I don't know, do the math. I don't know, whatever that is, three or 10% of them, 10% of them are LGBT people. And then I told the story again Mm -hmm. and he was in the audience (laughs) and it was in that moment that he realized (laughs) that I had a girlfriend. It was so awesome because he's sitting there just shrinking in his seat as I told the entire, came out to the entire faculty that I had a girlfriend when this person made this ridiculous statement to me. And yeah, so hopefully he's not done that again, but I bet he has. So there you go. Never know, but it was probably a learning experience right there. I hope it was a learning experience. (laughs) If not, how many other dumb things has he done in the future? (laughs) Probably a lot. I'm just going to venture to say, because how much are we really willing to learn as we get older? Depends on the person. Some people are, some people aren't. So Joe Dispenza, um, this uh, neurologist who I love. So Joe Dispenza, if you're listening to this uh, podcast, I would love to talk to you in person and interview you. Um, (laughs) But he talks about how we essentially wake up and we, or every time that we do things in the same way, we're actually hardwiring our brains to Mm -hmm. think and believe and act in the same Mm -hmm. way. And so in order to begin to think about things in a different way, we actually have to create a belief system around a reality that we haven't yet seen. Mm-hmm. So everything that we think, all the way that we, the ways that we feel in our body, all of that is actually responding to a previous moment or a memory. Uh, even if it's pain, you're dealing with a memory of, of a pain or a trauma that's now manifesting in the body. And so imagine if we have these things that we think about ourselves or the way that we think that life happens or what we believe that life is every single time that we get up and we, we get on the same, get out of bed in the same way, we brush our teeth in the same sink, we eat the same breakfast or go use the same social media or whatever. We scroll for 45 minutes or whatever. We're actually hardwiring our brain to continue thinking the ways that we do. Yeah, that's. I noticed that several years ago, like five or six years ago, I noticed that certain habits and patterns I was falling into were making me think and feel certain ways. And mind you, if you want to, please go listen to my podcast, listen to episode five, where I talk about mental illness and my struggle with mental illness. Um, I'm not going to go into the story now, but I struggled with depression for a long time, but I don't anymore, thankfully. I haven't for quite a while, which is awesome. But besides the depression that I did struggle with, I noticed that there were certain things that I would tell myself, which were not true. And I also refused to accept other people's compliments, which is super dangerous Mm -hmm. because if people are giving you compliments, they're likely not lying to you. The person that's likely Mm -hmm. lying to you is yourself. And so once that, that clicked in my head, I was like, okay, because I, I I had not a whole lot of self-confidence just in general. I also didn't think I was all that attractive of a person because 
I am a bald guy, but I'm really hairy everywhere else. And I've just always hated that. And I'm super pale. FYI, Mark is very attractive. <laughs> and he's, even though he's dating someone, he's still technically single. So message me oh if you're interested. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Oh <laughs> well, he also will practice yoga and he has a podcast. <laughs> like, this is an ideal guy and he travels. <laughs> anyway, go on. So, oh my goodness. <laughs> Next week on Match.com. <laughs> no. By the way, Match.com, if you'd like for me to promote your business. <laughs> Tamika wants these ads. Come on. No, not, not some of them. <laughs> no, but I, I realized that I would, I would look, I realized one day, like, I would look in the mirror and then think to myself, oh, you know, well, you don't look very good or you don't look, you know, you don't look very attractive because of this and because of that. And so then one day I was like, I'm just totally tearing myself down. I need to do the opposite. And whenever I have a negative mm. thought come into my head, I would tell myself the opposite of whatever the negative thought was. So if I thought to myself, oh, you know, you don't look handsome today, I would tell myself, man, you look really handsome today. Mm. Or whatever it was. You know, if I had a moment where I did some, made a mistake and felt dumb, for years I would just tell myself, oh, well, you're so stupid. No. I, when, so when that would happen, I'd be like, no, you're not stupid. You just made a mistake. Learn from it. I still will do that now sometimes, and this has been years, but I'll catch myself and I'm like, wait, no, you're not stupid. You just had a moment and you can learn from it. And so after spending the last like six or seven years growing and making that more and more of a pattern and a habit in my life, I now have, and then also getting on enough medication to get rid of the depression now so I don't have medication or depression, I have so much self-confidence and it's really great and I can like... I can go through crazy, awful stuff in my life and still come out like a normal, reasonable, healthy person without, you know, being drugged through the pits or whatever. And I can still feel confident even in the midst of really heartbreaking, trying stuff. Mm. And it takes practice. But the thing that puzzles me now when I try and share that with people, most of the time I've learned most people don't want to listen. No, because some people really enjoy feeling like shit. Yeah. And I don't understand that because for, for, I started really noticing I got depressed when I was like 12 or 13. And I, ne- I, mean, I was just like, I hate feeling like this. And all this other stuff in life like piled onto it, you know. And so then for like the last like 15 years, I was just like, I don't want to feel like this. I know I shouldn't. I, for Some part of me was like, you don't have to feel like this all the time. You don't have to hate yourself. You don't have to think that you're not worth anything. You don't have to think that you don't have what it takes. Because that was a big thing for me. I thought I didn't have what it take to, takes to do anything. Same, same, same. And but for me, it was because of weight. And see, that's that's something I get that irritates me and makes me mad to no end. Because I know so many beautiful women who are big. And I'm always like, your size has nothing to do with it. No, but it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter what anyone else says. It matters about what you You tell think. yourself, yeah. Exactly. And so some of the, some of the things that I was... I would say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, 50 pounds from now, like after I lose 50 pounds, I'll do X, Y, or Z. And the crazy thing is that I don't even know why I got the number 50. Yeah. Like it wasn't getting me to a specific weight. Yeah. Somehow I just got attached to this number five zero. Yeah. And then that was going to somehow magically make me more strong, more fit, more flexible, more whatever. Interestingly, it was never about attractiveness or beauty. It was always about ability. 
Yeah. So somehow in my childhood, I got attached to that. Yeah, and it's that's something that like I I know like men and women, you know, women more often struggle with more like image issues than guys. Some guys do, some guys don't. I think guys to a certain extent want to be attractive, but guys don't go to as much efforts to get themselves done up as women do most of the time. But come on, beards, really? Okay. Like I the think beard beards is different. Are definitely <laughs> covering up some things. You see a guy with a beard, he's ugly. Just kidding, I have a beard. <laughs> he, does, he does have a beard and it's great. His beard is fantastic. And I think the reason why all these dudes are wearing beards now is because they're slimming. Or they cover up imperfections I just or whatever. Shaving. Or sometimes you hate shaving, but I hate it. And I love beards. So gentlemen, please keep please. <laughs> please. In the name of the women who appreciate beards, um, shout out to the uh, Instagram Beards and Tattoos. That's yeah. such a great uh, <laughs> Instagram account for just people with beards. You know, I love them. And and I like the man bun there. I said it. A beard and a man bun? I'm like, yes. I don't I don't have a problem with this at all. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do a man bun, so I don't even care. No, but like, <laughs> Yes, what? you can. You can just... <laughs> There's not can, much here. No, you've got to get the weave and you do the... <laughs> the weave. You do the whole... You do the man wig and then you can do the man I bun. I found a glue-on man bun. I could do Yes, that. <laughs> exactly. But when you're talking about... How did you get out of... So, it's interesting. You're mentioning something that actually... And you didn't even plan this... But it is actually a yoga sutra, mm-hmm. which is um, we are harvesting, we harvest fruits by cultivating the opposite. So there's, a, there's another that says that when you have a negative thought or a thought that brings suffering, think something different. Mm-hmm. So you're actually doing this very ancient pro- process of just changing your mind or creating an opposite response and it trains your mind to think about things and it's and even and and joe dispenza the neuro the neuro guy would say it now creates a brand new reality even though you didn't actually have the evidence of mm-hmm. that yet is your life different today oh yeah my life's totally different and it it, it touches on like so many other aspects of my life too because Especially when other people notice it, you know, people who have known me for many years are like, "Hey, man, what what happened? You've mm-hmm. changed since the last time I saw you." Like when uh, my friend Juan and I we started this podcast, I I used to live really close to him. I moved back to California. He stayed in Michigan. We kept in touch off and on, but like when him and I started talking, when we were setting up our podcast. He was like, man, you are totally different now. Mm. He's like, you're like a complete new person. And I was, and I, so I explained the story of like how I'm just not depressed anymore. He's like, I can totally tell. He's like, you're just, you're so focused. And, you know, he's like, you're just a completely different person now. It took time. It took a little bit of medication and some other stuff. But it's, it's such a benefit because then you can, I've been able to share that with other people and say, hey, you know, someone, a listener just messaged me of my podcast, messaged me two weeks ago and said that she also got on the same medication I was on hmm. and now it's helping her. And I was wow. like, that's fantastic. You know, like I want to be able to share with other people, Hey, you know, if you're suffering from something or if, if you just need help, you know, there's other people out there that are helping you. You're not really alone in anything, you know, no matter what you're feeling. A lot of like, sometimes you like in my case, sometimes you need the medication to help fix the brain chemistry. Cause my brain was imbalanced. 
that fixed it. That helped a lot. The other thing that helped was not believing lies about myself. Mm. And I've and I've noticed when I, I can interact with other people and I notice I start hitting that wall when you're talking to them and they're like, oh no, but you know, and they're telling themselves all these lies. And I'm just blunt to the point where I'm like, you, I, I see that you're lying to yourself. And I'm not tearing you down for lying to yourself because I myself used mm-hmm. to lie to myself. And I still catch myself lying to myself. But you can learn and grow like I have. And if you put the work into it, you won't have this, you know, this self-deprecating thing that you keep doing. Keep tearing right. yourself down. And it's in, like I and I hope that somehow it sticks in their minds somewhere and someday they apply it or come to whatever they need to so they can start working through the process on their own because mm-hmm. pe- you don't need to life isn't any better when you're tearing yourself down life's <laughs> this remind this this come, brings to mind three things one is that our stories are not our own mm-hmm. when we're willing to share our stories we create community mm-hmm. we we build compassion because not only in the world but also for ourselves because we're willing to say, okay, look, this story sucks, but I'm gonna tell it because it's my truth. And by telling it, then I I am trusting you to hear my story and hold space for me as I tell that. And I don't believe that everyone deserves all of your stories, but certainly for the ones that do uh, deserve stories, when we tell them, when we share them, then that builds that that empathy in the world, it builds compassion in the world, and it builds compassion for self. Um, another thing that I, I think of is the fact that oftentimes when I'm optimistic or, or hopeful about something, and I'm a very hopeful and optimistic person, people literally get mad about it. Oh, yeah. Like, or I'm like, well, I understand that this happened. And just imagine, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, look, you just always want to just dismiss everything. You're so, yeah. it's like, no, I'm, I'm not being dismissive. But I just refuse to be dismal and nihilistic with you. Yeah. Like the opposite of nihilism isn't optimism. Uh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I, I, I just am saying, hey, you know, there is something beautiful in this. Can we search for that? when you're ready can can I or will you give me permission <laughs> to search for this with you or do I have to sit here and be dark with you forever because I'm not going to go to that dark place yeah and then the other thing that it leads me to believe or be reminded is just of how just being steeped in gratitude how much that just changes um a perspective you know yeah. just and i think that people who have had a lot of suffering i mean you and i certainly share the the loss of our mothers mm-hmm. as as uh, very traumatic experiences um for ourselves and i think and for me certainly just by being in gratitude and by understanding just by giving gratitude for the for the time that i did have and and for having a mother worth worth grieving over yeah which not a lot of people not everyone has that so you know by going to that place of gratitude has has helped me out and so then the the lie that i'm i have told myself is is that i'm the only one who feels this way and i'm like no we find out that that is not true once we start sharing our stories fyi i always always say to people what's the lie you're telling yourself right now (laughs) now mind you that might be the yoga teacher in me and a lot of people will give me permission to ask that question because i am a yoga teacher but i will 100 percent of the time 
say, what is the lie you're telling yourself in this moment? And then after that question, what is possible from here? So for you all out there in listener land, consider the lies that, um, that you tell yourself, you know, one of my, and also this one person who is uh, recently retreat, uh, took a retreat with me. Um, I love retreats and I love digging deep in these, these things. And that's why I love retreats and workshops. Um, and one of the things she said was, well, I mean, isn't it more of a story? Like, couldn't I, couldn't I say, what is the story I'm telling myself? And I said, you can say whatever you want, yeah. but it's a lie. Yeah. Um, but if you feel more comfortable calling it a story, then call it a story. Yeah. The question is, are you willing to answer, answer that question? Yeah. Um, but I do think that it ha- there's a lot to, um, to learn about ourselves by using stronger language and by calling a spade a spade, you know? So, uh, so yeah. So out there in listener land, consider those two things. What are the lies that I'm telling myself and possibly even a third, uh, the second would be what's possible from here. Mm -hmm. But before even going there, where did I come up with this story? Yeah. What messaging am I reflecting? Because, I don't think it's an eight and I'll, I'll end with this last, um, this last, uh, piece of light that someone shared with me. And that was, um, she said the universe does not operate in negativity. So if you're getting negative messaging, then that is coming from other people that's Mm -hmm. coming from from humans that aren't fully evolved or who aren't enlightened and all those things that is not coming from the light within that's not coming from big self or God or divine or spirit, whatever you want to call it. Negativity does not originate there. And therefore negativity is not the operation of the universe. That's mankind. So, uh, my goal or my vision is to elevate, beyond that so that I'm more in concert with the universe rather than mankind because we are some flawed flawed individuals if you want to hear a flawed individual listen to my podcast (laughs) so if you're listening (laughs) yeah so thank you so much Mark Pearson the second I love using your whole name Uh, I don't even use it on my podcast (laughs) because so many people get confused I am going to use your entire name because I feel like I've earned that. So Mark Pearson II uh, is here on Think, Flow, Grow. um, And Mark can be found on all of the methods, Spotify, Apple, um, all of the methods. Yeah, Google Play, Stitcher. Yeah. Tune in everywhere. Everywhere. Just and search No Country for Old Mark and Juan or hit me up at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com. Easiest way to get in touch. You can listen. We now have, we're putting out new episodes every week and special ones once a month. And we're going to do a live one here pretty soon in like three weeks. It's going to be four awesome. Weeks. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Soon. His podcast is totally different than this one in that it's all comedy. Yeah. And so he and Juan just sit around and laugh about things that are usually based in some really deep stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's what they're up to. And uh, I would love to hear from you as well. Definitely email me, Tamika at ashayoga.com. I am about more than just movement. I'm about compassion and community in the world. So 
the best way for me to cultivate that is by being in community with you. What do you want to hear about? What what is on your mind and can we address it? Also, if you want to hear um, Mark and I discuss another topic, send that in yeah. because I'll just grab him and offer him food and I think he'll come. He's pretty Spanish much. flowers sounds good. Uh, yeah, he's pretty <laughs> Spanish flowers. If you're listening, just uh, so yes, yeah, we're so, in the Heights. We got everything. Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of. This is Houston. Like we, we may go for Ethiopian after yeah. this, actually. So thank you guys so much for uh, tuning in, and uh, as always, there will be a meditation to follow. Take a comfortable seat or find a lying down position. Take time or pause this recording to get absolutely comfortable. Begin to notice your breath. Bring awareness to your body that is touching the ground or the chair. Notice the connection between your body and the support underneath you. Bring your awareness back to your breath. Take a full breath into your belly center. And as you exhale, let out a little sigh. Take another full breath into navel center. And exhale toward your feet. And inhale to your navel center. And then send your exhale toward your head. Inhale to your belly. Exhale toward your feet. Inhale, belly. Exhale to the crown of your head. Take an even deeper inhale into your navel center. And slowly exhale toward your feet. And this time draw your inhale all the way from your feet to the crown of your head. And as you exhale, send your exhale toward your feet. Full inhale, feet to crown. Long, slow exhale, crown to feet. And continue breathing in this wave-like manner. Acknowledge the space that you are holding for yourself. Being supported along your backside or your bottom. And being embraced by your breath along the front side of your body. Sense a cocoon-type sensation, giving you permission to be completely with yourself 
and to feel all of the feelings that you feel in this moment. Now notice your thoughts. Notice any thoughts that come up for you and on your next exhale, send them out to the ether and allow for them to fall alongside you like a river. Don't worry about getting rid of your thoughts. Allow for them to float alongside you. And now notice yourself in your mind's eye. See yourself in your seated or lying down position. Notice the softened eyes on the face that you're observing. Notice the bridge of your nose. And without making any changes, just see yourself in your mind's eye. Bring awareness to any sensations in the body. Without making any changes to your body, sense your left hand. Now bring awareness to your right ear. Feel the back of your neck. Notice your low back. Sense your thighs. Bring awareness to all ten toes. Sense your body as an entire symphony. And now notice your breath again. And using the rhythm of your breath, begin following that rhythm as you begin to take a walk in your mind's eye. Continue walking on a field of soft and crunching grass. As you look ahead, you notice something ahead of you. It looks something like a forest, but it's not as tall. You walk closer and notice that while there are trees and brush, there's a pattern. You walk near the pattern and realize that it is a labyrinth. Sense curiosity about the labyrinth. As you step into the labyrinth with its wide and tall walls, 
you notice that you can still see over the labyrinth if you'd like to. Tuck yourself into the labyrinth walls and begin walking. As you walk, you feel a sense of peace and calm. Keep walking on this grass, soft and crunching, which follows along and creates the path on your labyrinth walk. You walk and you notice a turn. The turn is a soft and gentle turn. As you twist and turn along with the winding path of the labyrinth, you sense calm. In an abundance of calm, Ask yourself the question, what is it that I have been carrying? See what it is that you have been carrying, stories that you have been carrying. And see those stories in your hands. Hold them. Continue walking into the labyrinth with this twisting, windy path, carrying the stories that you have been telling yourself. See these stories as words or patterns or pictures and carry them along with you as you get closer to the center of the labyrinth. You come to the center of the labyrinth and notice light, pure sunlight shining down onto the center of the path You feel warmth and joy and beauty and love from this light. Place the stories that you have been carrying onto the path in the center at the bottom of this light. When you place the stories down, you notice that they begin to become absorbed into the ether and they disappear. Know that you no longer have to carry these stories. That you are a part of this light and this light is a part of you. Take a full breath in and drink in the mystery of the light.
turn around and begin your journey back out of the labyrinth. As you begin walking, you notice your clothes alight, reflecting the beautiful and warm, comforting light that you observed at the center of your path. Continue walking out of the windy, beautiful and gently winding path. Perhaps you even touch the walls and feel the brush alongside your fingers. You begin to notice little blooms in the walls, noticing that it wasn't just green. It was actually bright and colorful with beautiful petals and blooms and treasures in the wall. Notice the green becoming more vibrant. Continue walking lighter, knowing that you are no longer carrying anything on your walk. Notice the exit of the labyrinth. And as you walk out, notice a feeling of lightness and comfort. Know that you have already taken your walk. You have already placed your stories into the ether, into the light. And that there is no reason to turn back to collect them again. Continue walking along the grass in the field. In this beautiful light and crunching grass. To the rhythm of your breath. And back to yourself. Bring awareness back to your breath. Notice the feeling of lightness and peace that you have given yourself permission to experience. Acknowledge the observer who has seen this journey that you've taken today. Notice the rise and fall of your belly. And on your next inhale, fill your chest with new breath. And exhale with a sigh. Ha. Bring awareness to the spaces along your backside touching the ground or sofa or chair. Bring your breath back to a normal, soft breathing. On your ready, flutter open your eyes and feel and accept your new way of being.
Thank you so much for allowing me to guide you through this meditation and for allowing me to be a part of your path. It is always my vision and goal to leave you better than I found you. I hope that happened for you today. Namaste. You've been listening to Think, Flow, Grow. This is Tamika with Asha Yoga. I'd love to hear your feedback and would love to hear any topics that you'd like for me to address. Feel free to email me at tamika at ashayoga.com. Also, you can go to that website to find out upcoming workshops, retreats, and events in your area.